Hey guys, I just want to take a moment to thank today's sponsor. Sponsor for today's episode is Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. First of all, it's free, and there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will even distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. That's where this podcast was made, and maybe that'll be where your podcast will be made. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. Welcome to today's show. We're talking today about why your dog's behavior still happens and sometimes why it gets worse. Why does your dog keep doing that one thing that you've been trying forever to get rid of? What is that root cause? Now, I can't tell you the exact root cause, but I can point you in the right direction. That's what the topic of today's episode is about, and hopefully it will help you decipher what you need to work with, what you need to do with your dog, and how we can actually end those problem behaviors. My name is Michael Aceta. I'm the founder of Matador Canine Brilliance, the author of the Dog Training Cheat Codes, and host of the Acknowledge Dog Podcast. Thank you for tuning in with me today. Before we jump into it, I want to tell you that I'm giving away the first chapter of the book I just mentioned, the Dog Training Cheat Codes. I'm giving away the first chapter of this book absolutely for free. All you have to do is head over to training.matadorcanine.com slash DTCC1. It's a short little acronym for Dog Training Cheat Codes 1. It's the first chapter. The link will be in the description. If you want to get the first chapter absolutely free, all you got to do is click on that link. Now, we're talking about problem behaviors and how they get worse. How they stick around with us when we don't want them to. How they've grown and developed probably into something far worse than what they started out as. Why are they getting worse? Why are they building? Why are they advancing? Excuse me. My two-year-old wants to be involved in our episode today. So why are they getting worse? Why are they developing into something that could really be catastrophic in the long term? And how do we stop them? Well, before we can stop them, we need to understand why they're building. And the root of the cause is that something is reinforcing that behavior. Right? Something is propelling this behavior to continue going. More often than not, that behavior has gotten onto a variable schedule, which you've heard me talk about a lot. And I think it's one of the big secrets of dog training. Okay, The variable schedule, which has its, it's going to have its own separate book from the dog training cheat codes. The variable schedule is gambling. It is addictive to your dog. They don't know how many times they have to do something in order to get reinforced for it. So they keep trying and trying. Trying. Once a behavior is on a variable schedule, it is insanely difficult to get rid of. So, if you're trying for a while to get your dog to respond and listen and end that problem behavior, whatever it may be, you might need to look at is it being variably rewarded? The only way to tell is to see if nobody rewards it. If nobody rewards it, and really nobody, I mean, nobody rewards it for a long time, and then someone rewards it, it'll go right back to the level of intensity it had previously. And you'll know, because that one person who rewarded it isn't going to say anything, and you'll have to catch them in the act. So that's the first reason that a behavior might be getting worse or sticking around despite whatever training you're doing. Somebody, somebody or something, most likely somebody, is rewarding your dog on a variable schedule. I see this way too often with puppies that jump. Everybody in the family has agreed, we're not going to reward the puppy for jumping. We're not going to reward the puppy for jumping. Nobody's going to reward the puppy for jumping besides the dad because the dad likes it. 
He likes coming home and having the dog run up to him and jump all over him because that's what his kids used to do when they were younger. And they don't do that anymore because they're teenagers. So he's looking for some kind of reinforcement and he gets rewarded from coming home from work with a dog that's jumping up on him. Now it's insanely difficult to have somebody ignore something that's reinforcing to them. See why positive reinforcement is so strong, right? So that individual, that guy, that husband, sometimes it's the wife, more often than not, it's the husband. They come home, they're like, oh my God, I love this puppy, it runs up to me. They get positively reinforced for allowing the dog to jump. The dog gets reinforced, one out of six people, let's say you had a family of six, one out of six people, and that's a variable schedule. That's all it needed. That's all the puppy needs to keep jumping on every single person it sees because it doesn't know that it's one person. More often than not, it thinks that, okay, every six people I should say hi, but I don't know. I can't, I'm not going to count six people rewarding it on a variable schedule. Everyone has to be on the same page. I've, I've paused people's training. I'll be honest with you. I've paused people's training and said, Hey, you guys all have to get on the same page before we continue because I don't want to take your money, waste your time. If you're not going to be on the same page, it just doesn't make sense to me. And it doesn't make sense to you. I could say the same thing over and over and over and over again. But if you're not implementing it because you guys are on the same page, it's not going to work. Everybody has to be on the same page. If you're not on the same page. Someone's going to be rewarding something that nobody else wants. And everybody's going to get frustrated. They're going to be punished for actually doing the training correctly. And they're not going to want to do it. Or they're going to escalate to a darker version of training because they're just frustrated. What I mean by darker, I mean compulsion. I mean correcting the dog because they don't think it's working simply because somebody isn't following the rules. Everyone has to be consistent. You want your dog to be disciplined and respectful? You have to be disciplined and respectful without training. Number two, number two, right? The, the reason, the first reason is that it's on a variable schedule. The second reason is that you have not identified and isolated, identified and isolated the correct reward for that behavior. If well, let's go back to our jumping example. If jumping up was attention seeking, but we think it's because the dog likes to wipe their paws on you, we have not identified the right reward. We know what the reward is, it's attention. Okay. In some cases, I'll put it to you this way. Uh, I'll tell a short story here, and I believe I mentioned it in the dog training cheat code, although I might have mentioned it on a live and I'm just putting them together, but I digress. I was working with the dog once and we were working on agility. And the owner wanted to do agility to get the dog's energy out, which was a wonderful, wonderful way to get a dog's energy out. Practice agility, it works on obedience, it works on athleticism, right? Wonderful exercise for a dog to do agility. But the problem was the dog get worse and worse at agility. It just kept getting worse and worse. What was going on? We were using treats, we were trying to use toys, but the dog would run a little bit and then start having the zoomies. Here was what's going on. The dog had learned that if it got the zoomies, if it ran around like a chicken with his head cut off, the owner would start talking to the dog more. The dog learned to get reinforcement, right? Its version of reinforcement, which was the mom talking to her. It had to run around like a crazy person. So we were rewarding the wrong behavior because we had not identified and isolated what the dog truly found reinforcing. It didn't care about treats. It didn't care about toys. It cared about its owner's attention and words. And the owner said, what are you doing, you crazy girl? The dog loved it. The dog thought it was the greatest thing ever. And so she kept running around. 
Once we identified and isolated that, the owner just had to talk to the dog when it did the obstacles, when it did the obedience in the agility. The dog no longer needed treats or toys, but we had to stop talking when the dog ran around like a crazy chicken. The dog eventually got really good at agility and could do it the whole course once without the owner having to say anything because we did different reward schedules and you know we worked on it. But we started off by identifying and isolating the correct reward. Now with a problem behavior, let's say the dog is barking at strangers. We have to identify what the reward is. Do they want the person to come close so they can say hi? Or do they want the person to go away? If you think it's one and it's actually the other, you're going to get stuck in this confusion loop. So if we want, if the dog wants the person to go away and you keep bringing the person closer, they're going to panic because we're not rewarding them for what they need. So if your dog is fearful and they're barking at someone and they want them to go away, if you can get them to calm down first and then make the person go away, they get rewarded for the alternative behavior. They get rewarded for calming down instead of barking. We can do the same thing for excitement. They want the person to come closer, and that's why they're barking, to get the person's attention and to try to get them to come over here. They're trying to draw them in. right? So when they bark, if we switch that and have them sit patiently, then the person can walk up. They learn that, oh, I can make this person come up just by sitting here. I don't have to put on a big show. I don't have to get their attention. I already have their attention, and I get more of their attention if I'm sitting. Identify and isolate the right reward, and it'll save you so much time and confusion on the dog's part. So if you're struggling with a problem behavior, identify and isolate the problem and the reward and try to see if you can make them work a little bit better. The third reason, the third reason is they have not learned the appropriate behavior you want them to do, right? The other skill. In the example of barking, they don't know they should sit. This is classic, right? You could correct a dog. You could you'd pop the collar, you'd yell at him, shake a can. You could have an air horn. You could correct them all you want. If they don't know what they should be doing, they will be lost. And odds are they're going to go back to the bad behavior because there's, there's no other option for them. They don't know of any other option. Think about if you only knew how to pull doors open. What would happen if you reached a push door? Nothing. You, you can't open it because it's a push door and you're pulling it. You're going to get frustrated. You're going to get angry. You're going to pull on it. If you had the strength, you'd probably rip the door open. And then you'd get rewarded for pulling the door past the point of what it should have done. That's exactly what our dog does with any behavior. What they need is to learn the skill for what we need them to do. My son, he's a two-year-old boy. We went out to, I think it was a pizzeria. And instead of struggling and arguing with him about what we should be doing, right? He was getting a little antsy and excited because we were going to have pizza. And he was, I start talking to him. I start teaching him. I had him sit down. I said, hey, buddy, could you sit down for me? I said, wonderful job. Thank you. And then I handed him a napkin. I said, hey, can you, can you spread this out like mine? And I spread it out my napkin and he spread out his. So what am I doing? Instead of arguing with him, hey, sit down, be quiet. You're making a big scene, right? Instead of arguing with him, I started teaching him what he should be doing when we go out to a restaurant. So now whenever we go out to a restaurant, he asks for a napkin. And I taught him the words. Instead of him pointing and saying, ah, da, da, da. I say, hey, what do you want, buddy? And I just talk to him. And then I teach him the words. I said, do you want a napkin? He goes, yes. I say, can you say napkin? He goes, napkin. I say, can you say, please, napkin? So I, st I start breaking this down really, really simple for him. And he can then start asking for it. So now when he's hungry, right, he's only two and a half years old. 
You'll say, Daddy, hungry, please, in the kitchen. So then we'll go to the kitchen. We'll get it. And I'll, I'll say, hey, what do you want? He'll say pancakes or he'll say cereal. Now, this is different because dogs don't have words, but it's the same concept. You have to teach them the skills in order to live efficiently and, you know, and peacefully in the world that we live in today. They don't have the skills. They aren't born with the skills. You have to teach them. They know what they should be doing when it comes to dogs, dog-related socialization and skills, jumping up, mouthing things, licking, sniffing, those kind of things. But they don't know to wait by doors. They don't know to stop before they get into the street. They don't know to walk next to you. That's just not part of their natural repertoire. We have to teach them those skills. And if you don't teach them those skills, they're going to find other things to replace it. If your dog is chewing up your couch, it's because you haven't taught them not to. Now, what would be an incompatible behavior to chewing up the couch? Chewing on a bone. That they have to, one, have the bone accessible to them. Two, like the bone. And three, learn how to chew on it for an extended period of time. Yes, dogs know how to chew naturally, but as a stress reliever, as a you know, a common exercise, kind of like reading for us, they don't know how to do it. At least some dogs don't. So if you spend the time teaching them and rewarding them for chewing, they actually get better at it and they find that activity more enjoyable than a dog that never learned how to do it. If it's worth training your dog, it's worth training them to do everything that you can, right? Be in complete control. I just tweeted this out yesterday. Be in complete control of your dog's training. Don't let it control you. Don't be reactive to your dog doing something. Oh, no, my dog's chewing up the couch. Now I got to do something about it. Be proactive. Teach them that when we're sitting on the couch, they should sit next to us. Teach them that when you're prepping dinner, they should not be under your feet trying to get scraps, anything you drop, because that could be dangerous, right? You're cutting up an onion, you drop a couple of onion pieces, now your dog's eating onion, that's not good. Teach them when you're standing at the counter, they should go lay down in the corner. And then maybe every once in a while, you toss them a little scrap of something that's good for them, carrot, piece of chicken, right? And now I can reward that good behavior just naturally in the environment that we exist in. My dogs know that they should go sit in the corner and they should they could stare at me. I don't mind them staring at me and have little beady eyes on me. I got them all the time. Right? I don't mind having the beady eyes on me, but I do mind you being at my feet underneath me, especially if you have a little dog. I'm working with a client right now. He's got four tiny little dogs. And when he first brought them all home, he brought two home, two had already lived there. They were all underfoot. So he's like shuffling his feet around. Now, that's having your dogs control your life, which is fun. Short period of time, the dogs got used to it. Now he doesn't have to do it. But if your dogs are controlling most of your life, you're going to, at some point, probably resent them. Oh, man, I can't do anything with this dog. Right? I, got, I got to change my entire life. I'm going to do all this. I got to put gates up. Okay. Right? At some point, their quality of life is going to go down. Your quality of life is going to go down. And you're going to resent having them because you can't do the, the things that you want to do, have the freedom that you want to have. If you teach them certain things, certain skills, and you end those problem behaviors by replacing them with good behaviors, like having the dogs around your feet, you could teach them that when you step, they should move out of the way. Yeah, does that take time? Absolutely. If you get really good at training and effective at teaching them the new skill by shaping and reward schedules and all the things that we talk about, everything that's in the dog training cheat codes, everything I've talked about on episodes and my social media, all those things, you can get really good at that. It takes five minutes. You take a step, your dog moves out of the way. Now you can reward them. And you never have to shuffle your feet again. Teach your dogs how to live with you. Don't learn how to live with your dog. And I know that sounds weird, 
right? And we've gone on a little tangent here about behaviors getting worse. And now we're talking about living with your dog. But behaviors are getting worse because you're probably accommodating them too much, right? Someone's giving into the reward schedule. You are accommodating your dog's lifestyle instead of teaching them an alternative behavior. You have not identified or isolated the reward. You think you know what it is, but you haven't fully controlled and dedicated yourself to fixing this problem and looking at every single individual aspect. Once you do that, there's no way you wouldn't identify and isolate the reward. If you do that, if you isolate the reward, it's much easier for you to control the reward, control access to the reward and what eventually gets the reward. And then if you're, again, really dedicated to it and you put your heart into fixing this problem and teaching your dog right so that the next 10 years of their life, you can have a lot of freedom and enjoyment with them, you would teach them all of the alternative skills to those bad behaviors. Do all of that. Do all of that and you will have the freedom with your dog. Don't do any of that and behaviors are going to get worse because they just get practiced. They get rehearsed. They get deeper and deeper ingrained in your dog's psyche, in their mind, because they've gotten reinforced. Any behavior that is increased in the likelihood of it happening was positively reinforced at some point. So find out what's rewarding your dog, what schedule they're on that's rewarding them, and get rid of it. Control it. Manage it. And I always talk about management. Manage it so that you can change the behavior and reward it appropriately when the time comes. Guys, I want to thank you for listening. Again, the first chapter of the Dog Training Cheat Codes is available absolutely free to you. Click the link in the description for that. And if you're still struggling with problem behaviors, check out the free PDF down below, training.matadorcanine.com slash resolving bad habits. It's a short little PDF, about 10 pages, but it's packed with useful information, much of in-depth knowledge as I can go into in a, a short little PDF. But it also breaks down these three concepts for you in ending problem behavior so that you can get back to enjoying your life with your dog and not having all that chaos because nobody wants that. <laughs> it's not that much fun. But thank you guys for listening. I appreciate you taking the time to educate yourself and grow with your dog. I'll see you guys next time.